0: You are Locked On Browns, your daily Cleveland Browns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: Good evening, everybody. Locked On Browns with your host, Jeff Lloyd, as always, for your daily delivery of all things dog pound. uh, Getting in the car, buckle up, start up that engine, guys, before you put the car in drive. ask the stereo. Play. Podcast. Locked On Browns. Use your voice activation, guys. It's a nice little tool to have here as we get lazier and lazier. As the years go on and on. Um, we're going to do some draft talk. We're going to do some fun talk like we always do. Uh, coming off his busy time of the year, he's a little more free now as we get closer and closer, obviously, with the NFL Combine coming this week. Uh, obviously, then we lead into the trading window, then free agency. Full-on drafts come April. Um, guys, a uh, big part of the show. Been on plenty of times. Good friend, Steven Thomas, Buddy, it's been too long. And, you know, your wife's a great lady, but I can't believe she left you alone without a babysitter.
0: I can't either. It's like, uh, you know the the first scene in Home Alone after they leave where he's just (laughs) running around before he grows up? That's pretty much me. That's going to be me all weekend, except for the shaving part. I'm not shaving anything.
1: I'm kind of thinking a little bit of, uh, you know, the one cheers I can go with is running with scissors. Like, you know, all the stuff you shouldn't be doing. (laughs) All the stuff you shouldn't be doing. I can see it right now.
0: Yeah. That's yes, I will
1: it. take this bologna sandwich and put it on the fine china from the wedding. Why not? Who cares? Paper plates <laughs> my ass.
0: I will eat ribs for dinner because no one is here to stop me and I'm a grown man. And there will be no side. There will be no vegetables with it. No. There will be more ribs. No. All of that spinach you left in the uh, crisper, honey, it'll be waiting for you when you get back. Absolutely. I watered
1: it by your way. Keep it nice and fresh for you, honey. <laughs> um, but uh, we're going to get a bunch of stuff. But uh, this is one, actually, that came, uh, obviously, as you guys uh, as you guys all know. Uh, Steve and I are huge, huge, and it, it's, it's probably somewhat of a sickness and an addiction. Um, fans of the sitcom Cheers, in my opinion, the greatest one there ever was. Um, There's no so- debate. No, there in my opinion, there's no debate. So let's see who sent us the question. I'm trying to remember. I want to give proper credit here. Let's see here. I think it was Ben. There we go. Ben Bullock. Um What's your ranking of the characters in All Cheers football draft? Uh, he's gonna go, he goes with Carla first overall, but uh, Carla was a good character. I don't know we're gonna go one overall. But it's a fun one, Steve here, so we'll let, we'll let you tackle this. So I'm gonna uh, I'll, I'll critique along with it. But uh, I mean, for I guess damn near close to 200 episodes, just just an incredibly, and I think part of it was the bond of the characters. Obviously, it was written extremely well, but the way the the guys just grew together, and whether it was you know John Ratzenberger or you know, uh, it, it just all of them, it just it flew together, and just it was just it was just always good for a laugh. And I mean, I even remember we were in college, and one of my roommates. For us, it was always on eleven o'clock. For us, it was WPIX was the local channel eleven. He's telling us the story how his dad one time called the television station and asked him if they could start from season one, and would they let him know when they were going to, so he could set the VCR up to record every episode. Mister Big, Mister Big Bob Preston, he was a good dude. But uh, let's go, Steve. I'll have a little fun with this before we get into some draft talk.
0: Yes, yeah, two hundred and fifty some odd episodes I actually, so, yeah. and uh, you know my my thing. It was terrible for her. It was a terrible choice. But when uh, when Shelley Long left, it actually allowed the, the the show to grab extra seasons because you know the Sam and Diane storyline had gone just about as far as it could go without getting insane. So by replacing her with Rebecca, they basically reset the whole thing, which was fantastic. But I took the question that we were given as who would you draft if. If you were drafting the characters for a football team, I wasn't ranking the, the best characters. All right, we'll do it this way. So I thought, yeah, I would go ahead and take Carla first because she's got that mean streak. I mean, you know, the That's tackling form and the, you know, she if, if you are got the ball and she wants it, she's getting it from you. I'm terrified to this day of Carla. Um, All four, my foot, second, nine of her. <laughs> exactly. My second choice, uh, I would. I, I thought about it and I, I decided to go with Woody. He's the youngest you know he's athletic. Uh, he'll do what you tell him. He's not going to make any flashy plays, but he's always going to be where he's supposed to be. Uh, you know, so that would be my second choice. And then for my third choice, I went kind of. A, and and just so everybody knows, I spent more time on this question than all of the football questions combined. <laughs> I, I, like Jeff said, I have a sickness, so I am I'm, I'm all the way down to John Allen Hill here in my rankings. So. Oh my god! But my third choice, I took a little 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 curveball. I took Robin Colcord as my wide receiver because he's he's sneaky and crafty. You know, he'd know how to cheat. I feel I feel like he'd have a good release off the line and be good with the hand fighting in the red zone. You know what I mean? You know some, how to get away with it. Some
1: stickum, Fred bolitnikoff like. I mean, you know, had the five hundred thousand dollars hidden under the desk drawer for the grand escape.
0: It's exactly. That is definitely that's a-, a guy I want on my team right there. And then then we get to Sam, who's. Whose athletic profile, as a former professional athlete, you would think he would go higher. But he's—he's he's a pretty boy, you know. He's always messing with his hair. He doesn't like to get hit. Seems to me that the cheerleaders would be far more important to Sam than football.
1: And well, and the other thing is, you know, with the off-field and the alcohol issues, that's—it's that's, that's, a big investment for a first-round pick. And, well, you know- RGM
0: doesn't care, but yeah, you. Right. <laughs>
1: And then there's, you know, I mean, you know, he, and he's got his quirks. You can't drive the Corvette at high noon around Tiananmen Square. You're gonna mess up the paint job, man.
0: Exactly, exactly. Um, and then uh, after that, <laughs> I would take Norm because you need a run plugger in the middle of your defense, and oh, nobody you gets. You, you think there was an offensive guard in
1: that body, if anything? Yeah,
0: <laughs> something. Um, and then other than that, I don't see anybody on, I mean, maybe Cliff and Rebecca can be on the practice squad, but other than that, I'm looking at front office and co- coach obviously is the coach. He's my coach. Um, he's going to run my defense. Uh, he led the minors in getting hit in the head by pitches. So he knows how to teach guys how to get in the way of stuff, you know? So that would be, he would be my defensive coach right there. Uh, John Allen Hill would be my GM. Because uh, he's <laughs> smarter than everybody else. He can manipulate the press and the owners into believing what he wants. Diane would be my assistant GM just because she's so freaking annoying. Other teams would do whatever she wants just to shut her up. Um, obviously, uh, Frazier and Lilith are the De Podesta wing, they're my capitologists and stuff. <laughs> uh, Harry the Hat. Harry Anderson, Harry the Hat, he's that off-the-books employee who you call if one of the players gets in trouble. McClune. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Because he can make stuff disappear, you know? And and I'm only a little bit ashamed of that play on words right there. And then uh, my final thing that I came up with, I would sell the team to Mr. Gaines because he's the richest guy. And, I mean, you hope he doesn't die so Kelly's not in charge, but he would be the guy that I would want to take over because he wants to impress his friends with a winner. That that would be my rankings on how I would draft the Cheers characters.
1: Oh, my God. That, yeah, that, that, that was perfect.
0: I um, told you I spent too much time on yes. it. <laughs> well, and the other thing, I mean, you would
1: have to worry a little bit with Coach. Uh, obviously, you know, the, you know the, the blows to the head would probably not be much of an issue here. Um, you know, he probably wouldn't realize if anything was ringing, if anyone was trying to talk to him from the box upstairs. But, uh, yeah, and he was – that was – it was just, he was fighting. I, I still, Albania, oh. Albania, you border on the Adriatic.
0: Adriatic. <laughs> yeah.
1: Oh, Absolutely. Yeah. He definitely made for it. This switch to what he was good, though. And then, of course, the, the Diane to the Rebecca. And it also, I think it allowed, you know, because they tried in the beginning to almost make Rebecca stuffy and similar to Diane. And right. then I think they realized that maybe it wasn't working that way. And then she kind of just became as crazy and nuts as everybody else in the bar. So, you know, definitely. And, guys, uh, I mean, for you, if if you're young and you don't know the show, God help us, Steve, because we're getting old.
0: But well, yeah. that was the thing. That was the thing. Everybody who came in eventually got dragged down to their level. I mean, when when Diane came on, she was all snooty, and then eventually she was just one of the gang playing tricks on each other. Same thing with Frazier, and same thing with Lilith. And so they they were just like this black hole. A lot of people don't remember this, but Paul, actually, there's one little side B storyline in one episode. Paul actually came to the bar as a professional athlete to try and train Norman Cliff, and they dragged him so far into their couch potato World that he became one of them. So that it was just this black hole where energy and ambition went to die in a hysterically funny way. Uh,
1: and then the part where uh, the morning after, when Carla realizes she slept with Paul.
0: Hey, oh, ti- hey, Tiger! <laughs> and he's all he's all
1: boasting himself. Hey guys,
0: uh, guess who scaled Mount Pauly last night? Yeah, gives
1: it a little whack on the ass. Hey, Tiger!
0: Oh, Absolutely. absolute
1: blessed but guys we we're gonna talk some draft here but um guys uh, yeah I mean might as well get to it I mean (laughs) it's either here or on Twitter and I gotta be honest I'm trying to avoid that place on the weekends and the other thing (laughs) is I I, I, I'm trying and you guys look I'm trying to watch this AAF it's not doing it for me I told you I'd try this weekend here it is I'm already recording in the second half of the first game guys I, I it's just not it's just not doing it for me uh, maybe because this time of year I like to catch up on all the college football I didn't see. I just that's, And the other thing is, is, I mean, if I'm seeing live football right now, I, I'm really to the point where I just want to see the 19 season already. Last year, if this was around last year, after I go watching Owen 16 and watching <laughs> some of those games two and three times, oh, good Lord, I'd come to watch your kid play in the backyard with his friends in a two-hand touch game. <laughs> this year, I, I just it seems like i just got more on my mind. But, guys, iTunes, rating reviews, they always help the show. Do me a favor. Go on over. While you're listening, drop a five-star. Leave a written review, guys. Always helps. Always appreciate it. So we're going to have to get into this. Now, look, I mean, there's let's see what they got for us. All right. First one here. Sorry. We're out. All right. Linebackers definitely seem to be the one here. Okay, so we'll start with this one first here. And... There's been a lot of, look, uh, we, we've we spoken, you know, obviously, I know there's some guys, you know, Chad's obviously one of them. Devin White is a guy they love. I just don't see, and and look, I'll, I can tell you right now, the more and more we talk about it, John Dorsey's definitely going to do things that probably most of us don't agree with. The thing's going to be, though, he's got his vision for right now, I've got no issue with. He's getting it done other than signing guys that I don't necessarily agree with, but he, is he making his product better to this point? Yes. So, for us to think, hey, oh, well, you know, maybe we would have done it this way. Either way, guys, the product's getting better, and that's what matters. Could could linebacker be in 17 to play? Look, anything could be a play at 17. Um, so, Steve, a couple names. Uh, you know, I think there's, I think there's one or two names that fit early in this draft. And then, for me, it's more about just guys who are big, strong, tackle, and run who are going to be available on day three. I don't think there's really any... It's either going to be somebody at 17 or 49, or otherwise you're talking day three, unless it's addressing free agency.
0: Well, that's the thing. It's so interesting to, to see what they're going to do at linebacker, because I think everybody, well, I mean, we don't know what's going on inside, but everybody seems to agree that they need to upgrade at least the speed at the position. But with the contracts that they have, they're kind of... Not fully handcuffed, but there there's some handcuffing going on, so they can't really do a lot. I mean, if you're looking, maybe a Jordan Hicks. Uh, I know a lot of people like Anthony Barr in uh, in free agency, but a Jordan Hicks, I think his skill set would translate well. But you've got Joe Show, and Kirksey's going to be back this year unless they can find somebody to take that contract in a trade, which I I seem to find unlikely. And so, you're still,
1: and even if you were to find somebody, you're going to have to pay.
0: Yeah. Right, yeah. You're going to yeah, pay you're 50% of his
1: satin. No, but I mean, either way, you're, you're going to pay some of it. It's just the way sure. it's going to, yeah.
0: So I don't know why, what they're going to, they could, you know, and everybody, everybody seems to expect them to cut Jamie Collins, but if they were going to do that, I'm not sure why it hadn't happened by now. Maybe they're
1: trying to find a
0: trade partner or something. Uh, but You almost and,
1: wish that Kirksey's contract and Collins's were reversed. Because you could live with Collins, because I, I I believe that most of it is would be this year on Kirksey's deal. So you could live with right. one more year of Jamie Collins, Kirksey. You're hoping for a huge, huge bounce back.
0: And and I think it's possible because he he played a lot better before um, uh, uh, Greg came in and switched the system. So it's definitely possible that he could come back. And then we won't be talking about this next year. But. Yeah, those are the, would really be maybe Denzel Perryman, you know, somebody like that. But I don't see anybody else out there that's actually going to hit the market, unless you believe C.J. Mosley is, and I don't. That would would be uh, of interest. And if that is true, then I also find it extremely difficult to justify one at seventeen or even forty nine. Of course. Um, which would lead me to, ble- and personally, I'm not as big on Devin White as some other people. I see, uh, I see more processing issues than people. People are trying to go gl- to gloss over it. Um, if they were going to go early and I don't know if this is a hot take or not, I, I would rather have Bush. Yes, um, and I hope they don't go with either one. Now, if you're talking forty nine, you could easily talk me into Mac Wilson if you're talking about just linebackers. But I think you're, you you were right on what you're saying before. You're looking at maybe the late day three pick, the second, uh, or I'm sorry, day two pick, the second third uh, that they have from. Um, uh, from New England, you could get like in that range right now, you're looking at guys like Terrell hanks out of uh, New Mexico State or David Long from West Virginia who i really like i'm I'm be warming up to him watch him if you haven't watched him uh folks who are listening he's just a he's he's fast as hell he's he's solid in coverage, a terror on the blitz uh he's undersized that's his thing he's he's listed at uh six foot two twenty so in reality he could be you know five eleven two fifteen so i you know in the, the way keep the offense. Mind, but keep in
1: mind, our defensive coordinator drafted Shaq Thompson. You know, had them draft him as first round as a linebacker.
0: Right, right. Undersized they,
1: definitely was the game, but he could run.
0: The way the offense. Everybody talks about how the offenses are changing with more of the, you know, quote unquote college spread concepts coming in, which call for faster, quicker, short area guys. Well, by extension, then the defense should be you know, morphing along with it. So these smaller, faster cover corners. Maybe 215 isn't too small anymore. I I don't know. I'm just saying it it could happen. Um, As far as getting into the day three guys, some guys you guys have talked about uh, that we've talked about. uh, Khalil Hodge is valued early day three right now. I'd like him. I Uh, can't
1: believe he did not get a combine invite.
0: It's baffling to me. I mean, but when something like this comes up, I always think they know something that I don't, and it'll come out eventually. Um, Gary Johnson at Texas. uh, Jeffrey Allison from Fresno State. And I'm still on my guy Blake Cashman from Minnesota, and I saw uh, Dane Brug or I'm sorry Daniel Jeremiah uh, jump on his train um, last week, and which tells me that the medicals his big thing for me was the medicals. He had three shoulder surgeries, um, but apparently they came back okay because uh, DJ wouldn't jump on him uh, if he didn't. So those would be some guy, and also a guy to keep an eye on. Who's just, who also, if I, I don't think he got a combine invite, but Trey Watson out of Maryland, um, who the Browns met with at the Shrine game, apparently yep. met with him for quite a long time. And if you've watched any of his tape, boy, is he fast. I don't know why he's getting like zero but i mean he shouldn't be up there in the devon bush devon white range i'm not saying that but i mean nobody is talking about trey watson from maryland and i don't get it at all the guy can flat out play football so those are some names if you're looking late day two through day three uh maybe even priority udfa uh, uh, on the case of a couple guys that i would i would be interested in at this point anyway we're pre combine and long way to go but those are some guys that i would be interested in
1: yeah, uh, like, Hodge, it, 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 it surprises me just because, I mean, you, you look for guys who had stellar careers. I mean, guy had, I, I believe it was over 450 career total tackles. Over 100 three years in a row. Crazy, crazy production. Um, maybe the rumor's going to be, or maybe it is, I mean, if you don't get a combine in, but it is, nobody's expecting you to test well. Um, the one thing was he did go down a Shrine game and weighed a lot more than people anticipated as he was more right. the older school linebacker, with the fact that he was ran around 250 pounds. Um, but Jeff Rezden, Jeff Re- Jeff Resden, who was there? He's he'll be on this later this week. Said he ran and moved well. Um, granted, it's Shrine Game as opposed to Senior Bowl, but you right. know if Jess if Jess uh, if Jeff says it, obviously I, you know I'm going to put some weight to it. Um, right. and then uh, obviously uh cool, uh, cool, uh, cool, cool out of uh, Notre Dame, he's another one. I but the one thing and where the issue I just watched too many line, too many running backs last year catch short out routes that turned in from 5 yards to 20 to 25. I know part of that later in the year was because yes, Joe was back, but Joe wasn't 100% guys. He was on the show and told you he's actually still somewhat dealing with his hamstring injury. For mm-hmm. anybody who ever is going to question an athlete in a hamstring injury, it's it's a month thing. It's almost like a half of a year process before you're completely 100%. But more speed there, and that's for me. That's where Devin Bush just keeps coming in, and maybe part of it is, is you know, I I talk with his father. His father's a good dude. His father was one of my favorite college football players ever. But you know, sees guy, chases guy down, tackles guy. You know, almost like you know, like an animal in the forest, and that like just just beeline, and it's over. And I always love the guys that will stomp a mud hole in your ass and will walk it dry and tell you about it the entire time. I always want a mouth or two on defense. Absolutely. We're getting, we're getting there. You got Jabril. We, we need a little more, which is part of my affinity last year for Diary Alexander.
0: Yeah, and the thing with uh, with Bush, and I also see this in David Long from West Virginia, is that he seems to he seems to anticipate things, and it's not because he's guessing. It's be, he seems like a guy, and I haven't talked to him, but he seems like a guy who bangs it out in the film room, and he recognizes like. He knows what's going to happen before it plays. And he's smart, and yep. if you can, if you can, if you're speedy, and you're not reacting, you're being proactive. That makes you even half a step faster on the football field. And I love those kind of guys rather than guys who, I'm sorry, have trouble reading their keys and consistently show that issue. Um, so I don't know. Again, I hope they don't go linebacker early, but I see a lot of the things uh in in Bush I see them also in uh, in David Long and he's not as fast but Blake Cashman does a lot of the same the same things in Jeffrey Allison as well out of Fresno State.
1: Yeah, and obviously Bush not only was his father a NFL player and a first round pick, his father was also his high school coach. His father followed him to Michigan. So, you know, I they, that stuff's kind of ingrained in you. And yes, as Steve said, it's an excellent point because I mean if, you know, even if the defense is going to get together, and you're going to talk about this week's opponent, usually the guy running it is going to be your linebacker, and he's going to point out everything because they know everything that's going on in front of them, not just their position. They're Um, supposed to. Well, they, if they're good, they do. Yeah, <laughs> if, exactly. If they're good, they do. Um, obviously, we hit a little bit here on the day three, but uh, we'll, we'll go with this one here. Um, this is uh, specifically here uh, between third. Um, Steve, obviously, we did linebackers. So some names here between third round, seventh round. Obviously, round's got a little bit of splash picks everywhere. Obviously, the fifth round's the big one, though.
0: Yeah, there's uh, uh, there's a as you know, I love day three. Day three is probably my favorite day of the whole draft, and there's a ton of really, really athletic options. And I think, I think if I can just go on off a little side tangent here, I think that's going to become more the norm because you're old enough to remember day three used to be populated with, you know, I don't want to say plotting, but you know, a step slow and in short, the guys who probably, you know, they weren't as athletic. If you want to add athleticism, you needed day one, you needed third round or above. And now the advances the past, I don't know, 10, 15 years in, in in science and training methods and nutritional knowledge and all that kind of stuff, these guys are growing up so much bigger, fun, stronger and faster. And they're doing it earlier because they have the the ability through YouTube and everything to watch their favorite players from all over the country anytime they want. And so they can see the level that they need to get at. They can see what other people are doing. Whereas, you know, back in the prehistoric days when you and I grew up, (laughs) guys would get to, you know, college, freshmen were whatever they naturally were at 18. And then they started lifting weights and eating right and, and all that kind of stuff. Now these kids are doing it from the time they're 10 years old. And so I think the pool of day three guys who are incredibly athletic especially if you're looking at wide receiver and corner is going to just continue to grow those are positions that you can get if not impact guys immediate regular contributors well into the fifth and maybe the sixth round i think um and, and and it's fun if you're a draft guy, especially if you're a Browns draft guy, because like you said, we have picks all over the place. But um, wide receivers that are, you know, maybe late day two into early day three um, names that probably anybody who follows either of us have heard uh, Keelan Doss, uh, Jazz Ferguson, Antoine Wesley, Keyshawn Johnson. I'm really, really starting to become enamored with Jalen Hurd, um, and it's a shame that he had that. Uh, he had uh, some minor knee surgery in uh, in uh, December and apparently might not be 100%, might not do everything at the combine, which is nuts because he could tear it up. Um, and, yes, for the Ohio State folks out there, if, if he's around in the fifth, I think the value there is is available to take Terry McLaurin because I think any higher than that would be not in the Browns' interest just for their particular build. But if he's around at one of those fifth-round picks, knock yourself out. Um The tight end class is what's really exciting if you're talking about late day two, day three. Josh Oliver, who uh, our friend Jake Burns loves. Um, Keenan Brown, the kid from Texas State. I like Dax Raymond at Utah State, too. Um, And he didn't – the Notre Dame offense did not give him a lot of opportunities, but Alize Mack has a profile that – he's one of those guys that could – if he gets in the right situation, could really put up some numbers. That's a guy.
1: And life might be a little easier for him without the stresses of schoolwork and things of that nature because he had a little bit of a tough road while he was at Notre Dame.
0: Exactly, exactly. Um, as far as the corners, uh, the other David Long from Michigan, Yep, I like him quite a bit. Uh, uh, some small school guys in Jimmy Moreland uh, from James Madison and Corey Ballantyne from Washburn. Your guy, Justin Lane, it, it is apparently, unless it changes after the combine, he's going to stay in that early day three range, which I don't understand. No,
1: I don't. I, I actually, in the folks I've been talking to, and it's in, you know, now we're talking with some scouts, is he's going to end up like Kevin Johnson. Kevin Johnson was a nice kid down at Wake Forest, a nice player. All of a sudden, you know, Senior Bowl didn't go, and you got some heat about that. But you got to keep in mind, he was at Wake Forest. Wake Forest was losing. They didn't play a bowl game, so he had already been in like combine training for five weeks. Right. So you know he pulled out. He didn't go. But Justin Lane. Now uh, I-, I do believe he had a a long jump of or a triple jump of twenty two feet, whichever one that would apply to, where it's really good. Justin Lane might destroy the combine. And I, I mean, and now I'm seeing mock drafts where Justin Lane might go round one, um, if he tests yeah. athletically. At, six, at almost 6'3", and only 21 years old, and you will get your nose dirty. And But there's teams that'll play schemes that'll suit him just fine, and he'll keep the guys in front of him. It's interesting. It's inter- but, I mean, I love the player. We'll see how it all plays out.
0: Yeah, yeah, and and that's what I was just going to say. I don't understand. I mean, I, I think round one is a little rich for me, for him, but I could easily see mid to mid-late day two, you know, late second round if you're there or early that third uh, 316 that we have, that would be great value for him. But I just, I keep seeing him early day three. And if he stays there, that fourth round pick would be great, uh, for him. Uh, same thing from, um, uh, Ryan Pulley from Arkansas, uh, had a pectoral issue last year, missed almost a whole, was it pectoral or anchor? No, it was pectoral. And, Which is um, near for a corner. Right, and <laughs> came back this year, obviously a little bit rusty early, but then, to, you know, really turned it on and was considered a potential lockdown going into last year before he hurt himself, so that's a guy you could steal late. Um, uh, you, you know, Mark Fields from Clemson, if they... I mean, they barely used him, but man, the people that I trust are saying really, really nice things about him. And Hamp Cheevers from Boston College, I keep hearing people say he maybe better served at free safety, and I, I gotta say, I, I kind of agree at that, so the, I don't know if he would be a fit for us at that spot then, but, you know, the guy's ball skills are undeniable in his production, so those are some names at corner uh, that I would be interested in. Um, the safeties... I, yeah, we could pick up another safety, but i just I don't know that there's anybody that's gonna be around when we start shopping in that section of the draft store. I mean, I, yeah, we could pick up another safety, but I can't believe it's gonna be day one or day two, um, which would take you know like amani hooker and and maybe Darnell Savage off the board before. Uh, We're shopping. And then the rest of the day three guys, I'm not really on that enamored with until you get down to Chris Johnson from North Alabama. Um, He's an FCS guy. Go look him up if you want. Uh, 6'3", over 200. He's said to run um, 4'4". Ball skills, run support. Um, I really, really like him, and he's getting zero run right now. So if you could steal him in the sixth or seventh round or something like that, I think that could turn out to be one of those day three picks, those quote-unquote Dorsey finds, uh, uh, you know, the day three picks that turn into something.
1: Yeah, uh, the name I love that you brought into in this conversation is McLaren. Um, a number one, you already know, is a plus special teamer. And this is what I talk about when everybody – and and look, guys, and I, I, I'm just making sure everyone knows. I do not dislike Odell Beckham. I dislike what Odell Beckham might cost. Right. Because it's going to be a lot. But here's where a guy like McLaren would come in. You guys want all these skill players. Guess who covers punts? Guess who plays outside contain on kickoff team? Usually your reserve offensive skill guys are part of that group. This is things they've got to do. So you're going to need somebody to do these things. If you go and you bring in Terry McLaren... You've got a guy with experience in doing it, so he would be a nice fit. And one of the things, as much as everybody loves what he did, in Mobile is—he's an older guy, um, so that's that's going to hurt him. It's also going to hurt him that everybody ate in Ohio State's offense this year. Everybody, and I mean everybody. So you know where you look at schools like Georgia, where a lot of people are having a difficult time—is this guy legit or not? Because of production, because for some reason Georgia. Runs an offense that still looks like Georgia in the late to I mean early to mid nineties, as opposed right. to the offense everybody else is running. But everybody at Ohio State this year produced. So you know, as much as McLaren did some nice things on a mobile, it may shows that he belong as, as opposed to you know a top fifty, top sixty four player, which. I know some of you Ohio State fans, you get a little excited. I get it. Well,
0: and that's this is where the, the old cliche, it's become a cliche, of value comes in. This is what we mean when we're talking about value for a player. Yeah, he's a nice player. He would be a nice guy that to add to your roster. But if he's only going to be a special teams ace and then maybe your fourth wide receiver, the value for something like that starts in the fifth round. I mean, you can't. Yep. Waste a premium pick, and I don't want to use the word waste because that implies something wrong. You can't use a premium pick on someone who's going to contribute at that level. That this this is the whole point of what value means. And it's why I when I brought up his name, I said if he's around with one of those three fifth round picks, and they haven't an already addressed wide receiver, of course, if they haven't done that, then by all means, that's the value. Grab him. 'Cause you never know. You know, as somebody his as refined route running and as speedy as he is, he could bust out and give you four years of great stuff, you know. But if he doesn't, if all he ever is is a very good special teams guy who catches you know, 15 balls a year as your fourth, fifth wide receiver, then that's great for a fifth-round pick. That's value. That would not be value if you took him at 49 or 80. That's what value means.
1: Yeah, and if you remember, Steve, when we did our roster prediction or trying to hammer out a 53 late in the summer, and everybody, well, Jeff Janis is a really great gunner. I don't want a gunner. We're, oh, yeah. <laughs> I was 16. You know, show me you can at least play some wide receiver first. That's, you know, now, though? With the script turned, and you say, well, yeah, maybe it's our fourth or fifth, but you want to know what if, say, if you play the Higgins scenario where he went down this year. And, hey, look, man, I know you play a lot of special teams for us, but uh, you've been working hard enough. We're going to trust you with a little bit bigger piece of the pie here for two to three weeks while one of the guys above you down. Right. It, it's becomes, it, it becomes a nice move in that effect. Um, guys, locked on NFL Network, uh, Locked on NFL Net, it's on Instagram. It's on Twitter. It is run through. It runs through every show that is on the Locked On NFL Network. Um, it, over 35, under 40 NFL shows here on Locked On NFL Network. Whether it's a 32 team specific shows, uh, Matt Williamson show, the draft shows, the fantasy shows. Um, Instagram, Twitter, Locked On NFL Net. Make sure you're following over there, guys. Appreciate it. So now we move on, and let's see what we got here. Da-da-da-da. Now, um, now this is um, uh, Jake here. Jake, uh, Jake also holds a, hosts a Browns pod, and he likes the idea of you know he's more in my line of thinking of you do not need the superstar number one wide receiver. And Jake also understands that Landry may be on essentially what is now a one year deal. He likes more of if I use the term the batting the batting order of the wide receiver core. Mm-hmm. Have a bunch of guys that you can use. Steve, you've highlighted some. Um, say you know, gun to your head. You got to take one second round. Give a receiver here.
0: Who would it be? In the second round. Wow. Um, Where it's not
1: s- too much value, but it's it's value.
0: I mean, well, I mean, I guess it depends on whose board you believe. There are a couple boards out now that have Nikhil Harry right around the 49th pick, and I I would take him there easily. But I personally have a hard time seeing him fall that far. I agree. Um, Guys who
1: make contested catches score a lot of touchdowns usually aren't around in the second round. Unless they don't run very fast. And I have a hard time believing that because there was video of him putting a vertical over, I think it was 42. So usually guys who have a 42 inch vertical aren't
0: slow. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, I've seen just since he announced that he's ha- that uh, he had the surgery, I've seen Marquise Brown drop into that range as well. Who knows with an injury? But obviously, if he's around at 49, that would be a great pick. But if you're if he's talking about the 40, guys,
1: if he's around at 40, you're picking up the phone.
0: Sure, you would think so. You would think so. Um, But for the guys who are generally, and obviously, like every year, these are media boards. We don't know what the team's board look like, but the media boards, the guys who are generally in the 45 to 60 range, um, uh, Hakeem Butler, but the drops scare me. I would probably, if I had to pick one out of like... I think,
1: I'll just go with this. Butler becomes a name that becomes a serious contender for this team if Brashard Perriman does not come back. All of a sudden... Hakeem Butler, yeah, that that's a guy who may pique your interest a little bit more.
0: Yeah. Um, well, you know, of the guys that are in that range right now, I would hang my head on Debo Samuel, Debo Samuel over uh, uh, Hakeem Butler. Or, uh, you know, Mecole Hardman's been getting some run in that range. Maybe Jay Jaw. Um, I, if I had to choose from that particular group, personally, I would go Debo Samuel just because... There's something about him. Uh, I mean, obviously he has—he's not the tallest guy, but he's got the measurables. He's probably going to run pretty well. He's, his tape is fine. His production is great. Um, he, there's just—he's got that little extra attitude. It's almost as—it's not quite as brash as a Steve Smith, but it's in that direction. Oh yeah, Plays and with I shit. like that with with a guy, you know, that you're going to put out there. And and especially, you know, I think if him and Baker get along you know, on that wavelength, he'd throw him the ball a lot. So, you know, if I had to, uh, of the group that's generally in there, I would hang my hat on Debo Samuel.
1: Um, And the other thing with Debo Samuel is, is the game looks like he could translate easily to the AFC North. I mean, a lot of it is, you know, catch and yak, and he's physical. Yes. And even if you do get him down, he's going to lick you just as hard as you licked him. Uh, so I I I think Debo Samuel is a great fit, guys. One name I'm going to keep floating out here is Greg Dortch from Wake Forest. Uh, just a pup, won't even be 21 till well after he's drafted. Um, and we'll find out. Actually, we'll know seven. We'll know we'll, we'll know pretty much at this time next week the speed and the length. We'll have every drop of information on these wide receivers. So you know uh, you know some things will change drastically. Some things won't change much. The drastic changes will be either up or down or. When somebody runs significantly slower or faster, uh, a lot coming here. But Greg Dortch, he's a guy that really, really piques my interest because he you know, tore up the ACC at Wake Forest, and with the ball in his hands, he gives me a little, a little bit of a Odell Beckham vibe. So, well,
0: and that's what people. When you're out there, and, you, and for for the folks that are listening, if you're you know not a freak and have a life, and you're just starting to look into these guys, <laughs> you know, unlike me who has no life. Um, when you're looking at him, keep in mind with Baker, with his accuracy, that Yak is a huge thing because he's going to not only get you the ball, but he's going to, most of the time, get you the ball in stride. So a 12-yard slant can potentially be a 35-yard bust open play every time because you're not going to have to slow down and turn around and grab it and get caught from behind. So when you're looking at these guys – There's a lot of people very, very hung up on it. Well, you need a 6'4 jumper that can help, and it makes no sense to me um, because we tore up the red zone because of Baker's accuracy and the scheme. And so, yeah, would it be nice to have a guy with Josh Gordon's physical profile? Of course it would. Who wouldn't want a guy like that if you can get him at the right value? But more important are, like we've talked about in the past, good route runners, they catch the ball when you throw that to them. You can't have a bunch of drops. And if you're great after the catch, you're going to do fine in a Baker-Mayfield offense. So maybe sort of prioritize the yak guys in your head just a little bit higher than the other guys when you're looking at these wide receivers in this class and free agents.
1: Well, And, and the other thing is Baker, Baker will learn you. Um, and the yes. one thing you saw with Najoku and you also saw with Fells, he's going to learn where your sweet spot is. Uh, you never saw David Njoku having to put his hands below his belt again once Baker Mayfield took over. Right. Uh, the the last touchdown that Fells caught on um, the home game versus the Bengals. I mean, you know, ba- Baker literally where did he put it? High and outside. Fells yep. literally took his ass, bumped the DB out of the way, and said, "High he's and outside, awesome. perfect." Because nobody's getting that <laughs> but me. And this is and so it'll be okay if if they do draft a smaller receiver. Look, I mean, Antonio Callaway, he's a thick guy, but yep. he's not big and long. But Baker will put you in the best position to succeed. So it, as much as you guys want to say, oh, you know, the six foot four, like Steve was saying, you know, you want the, you know, the jump ball guy. It doesn't necessarily, it doesn't matter
0: when you have the accuracy that Baker Mayfield brings. Um, now, I will say, I will say one last thing on this. If you want somebody six four and over, who's also, who's not just a jump ball guy. There are several of them yes. later in day two and day three, and we've mentioned them. Antoine Wesley, I've been banging that drum for a long time. 6'5", he moves like he's six foot. Jazz Ferguson, if he, he keeps claiming he's going to run the 4'3s this week. If he runs in the 4'3s, he will not be around on day three because that guy's got skills for days. And again, Jalen Hurd. Throw in Keelan Doss too, but Jalen Hurd to me is, you want the quote-unquote Dorsey Day 3 secret pick? Jalen Hurd is the guy. 6'4", 220, runs 4'4". Four, four. He's got hands the size of boats. His hands are 10 and a half inches, for crying out loud. You go watch his tape from this year at Baylor, and yes, it was his first year playing wide receiver, so some of his routes are raw. He doesn't fully understand the position yet. Of course, you're going to need to give him a little bit of time, but in year one, you just ask him to do the things that he can already do. Well, if you get the ball within 10 feet of him, he's going to catch it. And he's a monster yak guy, like we were just talking about, because of his uh, background and his years as a running back. So I, I urge everybody to take a look at Jalen Hurd, and if he is around on day three, I'm going to be banging that drum hard.
1: Yeah, and I mean, th- and the one thing is, is he, you know, I ended up with a bad rep, you know, at Tennessee, whatever it was. But I'll give the guy credit, and I, we've talked about this on Twitter. Um, he's going to go to Baylor. He's going to play wide receiver. I mean, everybody pretty much said. So long, Jalen Hurd. Exactly. We'll see it. Well, you know what? Well, f- one night I'm going to wake up in the middle of the night at two o'clock in the morning, go through the channels. There's going to be a Canadian game on. Oh, Jalen Hurd! Oh yeah. <laughs> I mean, but here, but uh, to his credit, the kid has busted his ass and he went yep. down there and you know, he went to the right. He went to the right place because uh, you know Baylor's coach now, former Temple coach, legit dude. His players love him. They will do whatever he asks. Uh, Matt, Matt Rule down there and he's done that. I mean, I, I. I you could have given me, you know, could have given me 101 odds. I would have said, nah, we're never going to hear from Jalen Hurt again.
0: Yeah, and even the people at Tennessee who really, really don't like him have never questioned his work ethic. No one has ever said he he busts his ass in the film room. And, I mean, I, I read something just the other day. He takes a minimum of 100 to 150 uh, balls off the jugs gun every single day. So it's... You know, I mean, again, I don't. You know, it's it's a long way down the road. But if they sign a wide receiver and take one on day two, then he's probably out off their board. But if it if it makes sense on day three, be prepared to be annoyed by me on Twitter even more than you normally are.
1: Yeah, no, I mean, and all the credit in the world to the kids because you know, he, you know, and the other thing is, you don't know if you can judge him or just judge it from the fact that Tennessee was just an absolute cesspool. And you yep. know, every now and then, in Read those situations, it. sometimes the best player is usually the one that they're going to try to dump it all on. But meanwhile, the whole program sucked. So, I mean, you know, but usually there's usually one guy they want to pin it to because they never had a quarterback, which is why they wear a cesspool. It's got to find somebody to fall its way onto. So, Jalen right. Hurd was kind of the one who had to basically be the sacrificial lamb in that era. Um, this one's always funny because uh, whenever I see a tweet from him, I always think Joe Goodberry covers the Bengals. Actually, guys, hosting the, the uh, Locked On Bengals podcast now. Joe's fantastic. He does a great job over there. But this is Joe Gerberry. Um, Joe said, what would be some possible free agent additions at 17? I mean, not at 17, obviously. What are some free agent additions that would change a focus at 17? I know I got a name or two in mind, but go ahead, Steve. Um, and I'm not, listen to me, just because the Bucks said we're keeping McCoy. Yeah, I'm not That sold. means nothing right now, guys. That may mean, hey, I want your offers in and I want your offers in in two weeks.
0: Exactly. And now I will say as soon as they hired Aaron, hey, I mean, and his at his but, age i thought i immediately thought to myself they may not be into this you know rebuild thing i don't think he's around for that so they which may was not one be of into this
1: the this is one of the issues we did have when we were talking him bruce Arians. Right. do you want a guy for 2 years or do you want right. a guy that you hope's going to be here for 7
0: but you're so, absolutely right especially yep. this time of year we don't know where that came from that could have come from his agent it could have come from, like you said, They're still the picking
1: five. They, they exactly. could have a potential chance at Quinnin Quinn Williams, possibly. Yeah. They could have. So I'm not so sold that they're sold yet right. on Gerald McCoy saying.
0: Right. So, yeah, I mean, obviously he'd be a name uh, to keep an eye on. But the juxta of the, of the question, at least as I read it, was what would it take to, like, make a real change, like really alter what you're thinking is at 17? And I don't know that there's one guy – that would do that. It would be like a whole class that would change. Like if they got, you know, like if they got McCoy and Sheldon Richardson, well, yeah, that's not, still, that doesn't take, you know. Or McCoy, or McCoy and Preston Smith. Well, yeah, that's the other thing. If they go, let, like, let's say, and who knows, but I mean, let's say they go huge. Let's say they go, um, uh, you know, uh, Sheldon Richardson and Trey Flowers and Jordan Hicks and John Brown and Justin Coleman. Well, now, now do,
1: up, anything is open.
0: Exactly. You mm. can do whatever the hell you want at 17. You could trade half your draft and try to move up the five and take Quentin Williams at that point. You know what I mean? Um, but, you know, realistically, let's say they, you know, one guy on interior defensive line, let's say they get one of the big ones. Let's say they get Sheldon Richardson. Uh, I don't buy that Trey Flowers, I still don't buy that he's getting out of New England. You tag know, or everybody,
1: not. You, every, you guys know what the Patriots do. Exactly. They tell the free agents, your bags are at the airport, go meet with everybody, and tell your agent when you're done to come sit down. So we're going to exactly. go let four or five fan bases get excited and exactly. think he might go there. <laughs> and when we see the number, we're going to tell you yay or nay. And Flowers, Flowers ain't going anywhere. Uh, the tackle, I, the tackle I, I might say is going somewhere, but I, Flowers isn't going anywhere.
0: Yeah, yeah, especially since they drafted um, uh, Isaiah Wynn last year. There uh, you go. So, but yeah, okay, so you, if you take Flowers out, you're looking at uh, Brandon Graham would be a really nice pickup. Uh, Preston Smith, like you said, I, I think Shaq Barrett is going to be he's going to overperform whatever deal he gets because he had a really good 2017 and then his... He's also pretty fresh. He just didn't get any snaps <laughs> last year because of... Um, Bradley uh, Chubb. Bradley Chubb. And so I, I, and he's young, and, and but he's not his name isn't being pinged around, at least not in the media, so... You know, these other guys are going to cost, you know, God knows, you know, Trey Flowers would be somewhere around the tag at 17, 18 million. Uh, the rest of these guys are probably in the 13, I think I saw 12, 13, 14 range, somewhere in that. Barrett's probably going to get 10, 9, somewhere in that range. And he could outperform that by quite a bit. Um, that would. So if you grab those guys, you know, then nothing takes anybody 100%. You could still grab an Ed Oliver if he falls or a Christian Wilkins if you want to because you need a minimum of two, probably three interior defensive linemen. Yep. But it would bring more into play the um uh the Greedy Williams and the, and the Byron Murphy and you know that kind of stuff. Um it would take a lot, I think, unless they have a much higher grade on Yadni Kajust uh than everybody else for tackle to be in play at 17 i mean it would have to be like a crazy free agent class i think um but here's one if they can't make it work out with greg robinson and making it work out with g rob is the simplest best path for everybody but i don't know what you thought about it was it yesterday or the day before there was that thing that came out that said uh, he he uh, would
1: he should be paid hubbard money
0: or whatever we love him. We have all the confidence in the world in him. We love him. We want him back or, you know, however it was phrased. I don't remember that to me came across as a shot to his agents. You know, look, we we want him back, but he's had one half year of good production. And you're asking for nobody was beating your door down. Joe Thomas money here. That that's how I took it. I could be way off, but if they can't make it work with him, then Trent Brown comes into the picture um, if they swing and miss with him, a last resort, uh, would be maybe you grab Donald Penn for a one or two year, if you're okay with his medicals, uh, you know, uh, cause he still, he still plays well. I mean, he's not the Donald Penn he was, you know, six or seven years ago, but he would be a good one year thing, you know, to sort of shore up that hole in the dike until next year. Um, and then of course you, there's always the possibility, uh, you know, you can kick Joel Batonio out and plug Corbett in there, but. Yeah, one of the best interior lines in the NFL next year. That that's got to be a last resort nuclear option. Um, I, I don't know if there's anybody else that really moves the needle. I mean, there's some other nice. I, I don't even pieces. know if would,
1: for me, I don't know if it would be a name thing. If you told me you signed three defensive tackles,
0: right, right then right. yeah,
1: okay. then now defensive tackle may be off the board at seventeen, right? Unless John Dorsey really loves Jeffrey Simmons. I mean, you know who knows. um but if if one position is really hit hard and yes that could open up and if you if you somehow acquired three defensive tackles offensive tackle comes into play uh if you don't address the wide receiver position that could come into play i mean anything would come into play if you hit D tackle that hard otherwise you know that is probably still your biggest need
0: yeah absolutely i mean i don't think there's any question about it um and just signing one you know, even if it's the, you know, Sheldon Richardson, even if it's, you know, who I consider outside of the tradable guys, the guys who are actually free agents and likely to hit the market, I would think he would be the top uh, uh, defensive tackle available. Even if you grab him, that in no way precludes you from Christian Wilkins or uh, if Ed Oliver falls or even gets to 12 or something like that and you want to move up for him, whatever, if he's your guy, whoever your guy is, is what I'm saying, Um uh, even if you sign one, like you said, you need a minimum of two, probably three. So I don't know that one guy moves the needle really on anything at 17. It would be a, it would be like we said, a huge class would change things, a class overall.
1: Yes, and guys, if you do want to have some fun, think about a front of Sheldon Richardson, Larry Ogunjobi, and Miles Garrett. Uh, not only are these big bad dudes, but they're about athletic. Athletic as athletic gets.
0: And then throw in Colin Saunders with pick 80.
1: Or, yeah, well, there's that. and there's, or, <laughs> or, okay, block those three, and Jarn- Jannard Avery's coming off the other edge. So yeah. good luck with that four-man front in passing situations, guys. Um, would you still maybe need to add a big old plugger? Probably. I mean, who knows? Maybe you could get Danny Shelton for dirt cheap, because uh, I'm sure he'll be looking for work.
0: There is it. A- What's up? <laughs> yeah, how funny would that be? They signed Danny Shelton, Pierre Desir, and Josh Gordon. That'd be great. <laughs> Super Bowl champion, Josh Gordon, <laughs> Steve. Uh. Um,
1: let's see what we got here. Um, oh, Jeff Jeffrey's good. Uh, Jeffrey Vicarra, Um, What are the chances that O'Shane Jimenez falls to the second round? Uh, Jeffrey's obviously a big fan. He has him as his fifth, uh, fifth on his board among edge rushers. I'd say there's no doubt in my mind he's going to be in the second round. At best,
0: yeah. I uh, if he goes on day one, I will be very, very surprised. Um, well, I'd
1: also be happy because that means I'm going to get a better player at 49.
0: Sure, yeah. I mean, and I have nothing against him. I mean, I've been you know banging his drum since the summer. I like the kid, but I think his I think his value is in the third round. I I would think um, 49 for us would be the earliest I would consider him. Um, now, other teams, it only takes one team. You know, uh, so if there, especially if there's a run on the so called top tier edges early, you know, four of them go in the first 15 picks, like, it, you know, they, it could, that maybe pushes him up because a team at, you know, 36, 38, 40, you know, wants him, want, wants some edge rush help and he's there. So they reach a little bit or something like that. But I like Jimenez. I like him a lot. I just don't know that, I think if you're drafting him, especially on day one, but if you're drafting him in the first part of day two, even you're, you're hoping he's the guy you're hoping he's your 14 sack, you know, nobody's miles Garrett, but he's your number one edge rusher. He's your, he's the guy. And I don't, I don't really see him being, I see him being the other guy um, that takes advantage of one-on-one matchups against the second best uh, tackle on the other team, because, you know he's across from Miles and Miles demands the double team and their best tackle and so then Jimenez cleans up and you know gets to 9 10 sacks every year that that would be where I would see him as at and that guy to me again is valued late second maybe but more like third round I don't see him slipping to day 3 that would unless something goes horribly wrong at the combine but I would think day 2 I would be very surprised if he goes day, day one well
1: and for me the question would be though is do I have that guy? And this is going to be key because we don't know about this yet is what their plans are with Jannard Avery. Me, he's going to continue playing a lot of that pass rushing second defensive end. So what in the world did I just draft Jimenez for? Because I think I've got that guy. So it's, it's a key fit. His name could change in the hierarchy here, you know, and look, they're eventually going to tell us more what their plans are for this defense um, guys, when we had Joe Showberdon, Joe was like, look, uh, you know, we kind of can't talk about nothing right now. Yeah. Only the only thing he did mention was, you know, we're watching more Carolina film than we're watching Arizona film. Obviously, Wilps was only out there one year, wasn't really able to put any type of blueprint on the team whatsoever. Right. But, you know, so with you- – and if you think Carolina, there were three first-round picks playing linebacker in Carolina. And that's why I want to keep talking about it. The only thing, though, is I just don't know if this draft di- dictates – to the linebacker position in that respect. You know, Devin White, some of you like. Yeah, I'm kind of more with Steve. I, You know, I see a really great athlete running around behind some great players, which LSO, LSU will always have up front. So, yeah, sometimes he can just turn on the athleticism, the read and reaction, which is the key at the linebacker position. I'm not too positive that it's there yet, guys.
0: Well, and you also have to take into consideration who was that linebacker in in, in Carolina when Wolf's was there. I mean, he had guys that were top of the top of the league. So yep. I'm, I'm hoping and I don't know and I don't pretend to be, you know, some kind of guru on his philosophy, but I, I'm hoping he's going to take the same approach that Freddie took to the offense instead of this is my system. And I'm going to force you to do things even if you're not good at them, because that's what your position dictates on paper. He's going to look at his defensive uh, allotment and go, OK, what do you guys do well? We're going to do that, like Freddie did on offense. Exactly. Wait, I
1: have a negative for you here, and I'm about to draw up an assignment where it fits into your negative category. No, we're not doing that. That's out.
0: Yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, it's like the old debate we had when you know our old coach was still here. Do you need players to fit your system, or or are you smart enough to fit your system to your players? And I'm hoping that he's more of the of the former, which. You which know, will, which I mean, will
1: only help him get that – I think – I agree with you, and I think that's where he's going to be at because he's already had his one shot as a head coach at, 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 at one year, which is it, – it's straight BS. You, you do not just get yeah, a guy as a totally first time one year. But I think he's going to have to now is kind of reinvent himself a little bit to – so now it's okay. He's he's more than this, and he's more than that guy who got the, who got the raw deal in Arizona – And that wow! Look at this—you know, a lot of promising pieces—and they took a step back in 2018, but he took them right back with a step up in 2019. And you know, that's where that's what Wilkes is going to have to do. Because look, I mean, when we talked about this when all this went down, if you're Steve Wilkes, you want to be here till the 2019 season is officially over. You want to be gone. You want to be off to another gig. And that's how you would have to play it—is making this defense better. And probably by doing that means that you're going to have to change some things and change your own style.
0: Yeah, because you've got a lot of—I mean, like we were talking about earlier the, you've got a lot of hybrid pieces back there. You've got Demarius Randle who can play two or three spots. You got Jabril Peppers, obviously, who can play two or three spots. You got Jernard Avery, who you know—I mean, you know—I've been a fan of his for a long time. I think he's a better at the at the off-ball stuff than people are getting him, giving him credit for. He just never had the opportunity didn't, to
1: do he, it. Did, he didn't get it. He didn't get enough reps. He got success yeah. early, and then all of a sudden, injuries were like, "Well, you were a linebacker in college." I mean, and if you were Jannard Avery, but Jannard's never going to say anything. He's a sweet old country boy. Jannard's like, well, right. yeah, but that, you know, but that was seven months ago, which, in, which in, now I'm in the NFL, which means it was three years ago. I haven't <laughs> exactly. played linebacker in a long time.
0: Right. So I think, I think he can learn it. Now, like you said, we don't know their plans for him. They may be making him, you know, for all intents and purposes, a full-time edge. So I don't know. But the point is there are a lot of guys who can amoeba the defense, you know, they, you can shift guys here and drop this guy there and move this guy here. And it allows you to disguise your packages. The other team can't just look over and look at the personnel and automatically know what you're doing. So, you know, it it may be a situation where he comes in and he sort of tries to you know we see more linebacker with uh Jibril Peppers like you've been calling for we see uh uh Gennard dropping a little bit more you see Randall moving up into the slot in certain sub packages you see you know uh, like we just said adapting your scheme to what you have to maximize their results it's it's a basic tenet of leadership put your people in a su- position to succeed and ask them to do what they do well so i think that's what he's going to do so i don't necessarily know that the three linebackers in in Carolina thing applies as much as some have been saying that it does. It might. I could be completely wrong, but I, I just don't get that feeling.
1: And I think it could expand a guy like Jabril Peppers. If they like Shaq Thompson, Jabril Peppers is a similar type of guy. And could this be something we've been screaming about with covering these running backs? Where maybe Jarrell Peppers plays a little nickel linebacker, a little dime linebacker. Right. Not the craziest idea. And that's things we're looking forward to.
0: And that's where a guy like David Long from West Virginia yep. or Cashman from Minnesota would fit in. More Long's faster than him. But, you know, that's where he would fit in perfectly into that. He's ex- incredibly fast. He's going to cover everybody out of the backfield. And you want to hide him, drop Jannard Avery, and blitz David Long off the other side, you can do it. Because both of those guys are you know, moldable. They can both do those things. It's, it's, it's going to be interesting to watch the way defenses morph over the next few years in response to all of the college concepts uh, moving into the NFL offense. It's going to be fascinating to watch, especially at the linebacker position.
1: Yeah. And I agree with you there. And like, you know, everybody, you know, you know, one thing that's starting to become a trend in college football is the four-two-five defense. Mm-hmm. Where you play, you know, with the nickel safety, where he can play linebacker and looks where you want him to play that. Obviously, he can do uh, traditional safety stuff. He, you're asking him to cover things that it's, you know, and you're going to have to because I mean, if these offenses are going to come out and going to be able to drop 35 on you, you've got to equalize the athleticism um, right. with your defense and your fronts. And the only way to do that is to get more guys between 200 pounds and 220 pounds on the field. Yep. Steve, we'll just close with this. Nothing Browns related. Completely Uh-oh. off the realm. No, no, no. Just a couple, just a couple of favorites in this class. A couple of players. It doesn't have to be Browns related. Just a couple of guys that you just keep going back to.
0: Oh golly, um, I, I, I. This sort of
1: golly is a, oh is golly. A,
0: you went with this is a Browns related thing because uh, um, Brian Burns um, would, would be a dream at seventeen in a certain set of situations you know set of scenario um, he is so he's, quick he is oh, so quick and he's only 20 that's the thing I keep people keep talking about his weight and yes this it, is, it, and this know.
1: is what I go to every time somebody wants to talk about Desmond Harrison who's already 25 oh well there's still time but then the same people oh Brian Burns looks like dude he's he's, he's, he's an entire high school existence plus one year away from that he's right. 20 20 20 and I will tell you right now, if Florida State was any better, Brian Burns would have stayed. He's a good kid. Right. Basically, they said, like, dude, it's, it's not going to get that. You, you're not competing for a natty next year. Go get yours. And so Brian Burns, he would have stayed. But there wasn't a reason to stay. And right. that's why he's in this draft.
0: Well, and that's what, be, like, he's 20 years old. Normal people, just average humans between 20 and 25, you're still You don't even growing. know what a meal is.
1: But you don't even know what a meal is at 20 years old. Exactly. Like, what exactly. constant, you know, well, I had Doritos <laughs> with my sandwich. No, yeah. that's not a meal.
0: <laughs> so he could easily put on, he could easily get to 250, 255.
1: Just well, I, 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 I hope he at least just shows up at the 246 they've said. Because you want to know fun. what? You know, that shows that he's on the path. Yeah, he, it shows he's on the path because the only concern you have is maybe he's a little light in the ass. That's it. He, his first step is electric. He knows how to use his hands. He can beat you inside. He can beat you outside. Um, if you, unless your quarterback is Kyler Murray, Michael Vick, or Cam Newton, you better get rid of the ball because he will run you down.
0: Right. And for I've had a couple of Browns fans uh, tweet at me um, over the since we've been talking about him um, uh, bringing up Barkevius Mingo because he was notoriously thin and i just mingo was 218 when they drafted him there's a massive difference between 218 and 240 let alone yeah. 250 i mean yeah mingo was way too thin um but 218 is not the same thing as 245 so It's not something to be worried about in that realm. You want another guy, uh, somebody I've been banging on for a while here, and and you're probably sick of hearing about him, is Sternberger at Texas A&M. If they could get him at 49 in a certain, you know, depending on what happens in free agency, if they get Sternberger at 49 – People are talking about, well, we got to get wide receivers, we gotta get wide receivers. We need weapons. And it doesn't matter if they're tight ends or wide receivers or running backs who can catch, you know. I mean if you can get a Jalen Moore at Appalachian State in the seventh round, that's a great third back right there. Fourth back. He can catch anything. But but Sternberger across from the chief would be and then you keep Fells as as your third, who blocks really well and gave me way more in the passing game than I was expecting last year. That's a, that's a devastating tight end room right there.
1: Well, and the thing is, is you know, everybody, you know, they want to say, oh, they just... I think they're discounting athleticism. David Njoku plays tight end, but if you're going to take him and six or seven wide receivers and these guys are all going to do these same combine drills together, David Njoku will test better or equal to almost every guy you're going to bring. Right. Uh, he'll lose to John Ross in the forty. But he'll smoke him and everything else. Right. I mean, people are undervaluing that. Sternberger. I think if he tests like on tape, like he looks like he's capable to test, he's gonna blow up. And this is the one me and Pete talked about the other day. Is find me a team that's got two safeties where you can come on out and run your sets and say, all right, your both your safeties are covering one safety's covering a Joku, one safety's covering a guy like Jay Sternberger or a couple other of these tight ends in this class. It doesn't happen. You're going to win. It's not exactly. Nobody's got the safeties to do that. Right. It's it's a win before you've even snapped the ball. What I would do if I was on defense is I would call timeout because we're screwed. <laughs> this isn't going to work. This isn't going to work. We're going to call timeout. But, yeah, Jay Sternberger. And he's a guy I, I'm trying to get on the show because I would love to talk to him. And, and it's not to pick on the Kansas program, but I'd like to know just what in the hell – went on out there that they looked at this guy and said, no,
0: you're not good enough to really play for right. us. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and it, go, it goes back to what you were saying before uh, with the two tight ends, who's, who can cover them. It goes back to what we were just talking about. This is why you need to you need more guys who can do more things. You need more Demarius Randles at free safety who could play slot if you had to. Yep. So, Or you it, play
1: Tampa and say, you want to know what? We don't really have a guy for Mike Evans this week. So right. we're going to start Body Calhoun at free safety. Just keep Mike Evans in front of you. And, you know, look, Mike Evans had like seven for 118, whatever. But the reason the Browns lost that game had nothing to do no. with Randall taking Mike Evans.
0: No, no, exactly. Um, well, you know I like a couple other guys. You know I like Charles Amenahu. I've annoyed the crap out of you with him for months now. Um, I just don't know if he's gonna fall to our range. Uh I he, he's looking like late first, early second.
1: The issue Probably. people have with him is they they're they're not really sure what he is yet. And maybe we'll get more, you know, puts up a great bench number, maybe he'll play more inside, or he shows great athleticism and time time stuff. So where you outside it seems like some people like kind of have almost like an incomplete on him because they don't know where you would exactly play him yet.
0: Right, and I think, but see, I'm one of those that thinks that that's a positive because you you can go in and
1: out. Same reason you can put Miles Garrett on the inside, exactly.
0: And and similarly, this next guy I'm going to talk about, which I don't think I've heard anybody in Cleveland really talk about, is DeAndre Walker from Georgia. This is a guy who you could drop and play off ball if you want, but he can also rush the hell out of the pass. He is almost your prototypical. You know, uh, Edge slash OLB, depending on what system you run, and it's a little
1: bit of a Gennard Avery vibe, yes.
0: Yeah, and uh, just a little bit bigger, maybe, sl- maybe a half a step faster. He could play
1: against the left tackles, yes.
0: Yeah, so he's right now he's in he's in one of those in between ranges. Might be a little rich at forty nine. I would take him at forty nine, but some people might think he's a little rich at forty nine. But odds are against him lasting to the eightieth pick. Yep. So he's sort of in that in between range for us would and and, and it's kind of weird but i would love to put him that's a guy i would love on my team
1: and it was actually funny because um i at the sec championship game i was down at my sister-in-law's it was my mother-in-law's birthday and she was a big alabama fan and of course i'm there rooting for anybody but alabama and uh <laughs> and i'm texting with pete smith and i'm like pete these keep they keep shoving jonah williams as ta- left tackle one down our throats he's like i don't see it and, uh and as that game kept going on we kept going back and forth I was like yeah I'm not even seeing more and it, and, it, and it was more and then it was like how about we just draft DeAndre Walker instead you know, mm-hmm. I mean why, why don't we just get this guy right. um, and the thing with Walker is I don't he doesn't look like a player on tape who's gonna wow in Indy um because you know he's not the tallest guy in the room it doesn't seem like he's got the but, you know, I, I do think, you know, obviously a little bit bigger than Gerard Avery, but I think he's more similar country boy strong and right. looks a lot more impressive on film than he's going to look working out. But, yeah, he's definitely a fun player. And, like you said, versatility and what can I do with you. And I can put you here this week. And nobody saw that on film last week. And, you know, it's just anything you can do to make, obviously, uh, you know, obviously the offense's job harder. And we'll just close with this. Steve? Uh-oh. Deep breath. Pretend Baker Mayfield doesn't exist. Oh my God. You have to have one quarterback for the Cleveland Browns. And we'll pretend you still have the number one pick. So it's the number one overall pick, but you have to base it on the 2019 quarterback class.
0: Which oh, one do you dear want? Oh God. <laughs> you got everything else. You, you, get, you get
1: everything else
0: in the building. <laughs> oh. Hugh's man. not here. He'll never have to deal with Hugh. Well, let me let me let me preface what I'm going to say here, and I don't know what I'm going to say yet, but let me preface it by saying, I you know people have asked me, you know people think I'm I'm a draft guy. I'm a Browns draft guy. I only look at guys that I think fit the Browns. So to be, it's been so fun not watching quarterbacks. Brutally honest, I have done zero homework on this year's quarterback class. Isn't nice I have to n- say? No, oh, it's freaking amazing. But for this particular group, um. Just for And God, I'm going to sound like an idiot here because I, I really haven't studied it hardly at all. I would probably, uh, with Freddie Kitchens, we get this group, we get all the wide receivers. <sighs> I'm going to go with Haskins yep. by a nose over Murray uh, at this point. I, I would but, I mean,
1: and this is, this is normal for guys like me and you. The thought of just saying that Kyla Murray is five, nine and a half and change scares the daylights out of you. He, will he maybe tell every you know have everybody you know shove five nine and a half inches of middle fingers down their throats? There's a really good chance there is I because think he's
0: be good yeah.
1: I mean yeah, as long as you can protect him. And the thing with Kyler Murray is he can pretty much protect himself with the athletic ability he brings. Dude is special, and you watch what he did, and you go back and watch some of the throws Patrick Mahomes made at Texas Tech. There's not a great deal of difference, and there's a reason this guy got drafted so high in the Major League Baseball draft after only hitting 261. That's what he hit, guys. Um, center field is a valued position, and part of that is getting a ball in the gap and firing seeds from 225 feet away.
0: Kyler Murray can do this. Um, yeah, he's got arm talent for days and and just cuz I took Haskins that's not a shot at Murray, you know it's I mean not. Every, draft twitter, you know, tries to make you believe if you like one guy that means you automatically think everybody else at that position sucks, sucks and he's yep. trash and everything. It's not true, you know, th- there are other varying nuances to that. I would I mean if the if if my team took Kyler Murray in, in the situation you're describing, I'd be perfectly happy. It, it's kind of I would think of it the same way I, I thought of it going into last year. Not, I don't think these two guys are on the same level as Rosen and and Baker Mayfield. But you remember how many times did I say uh, either one of them? I, I mean, I had Rosen ahead, but if they yep. took Baker Mayfield, I was going to be absolutely tickled pink. And I was because I thought they were both worthy of it. I, I think Haskins and Murray, in the situation you're describing, would both be worth it. I probably, at this exact moment, would opt for. Haskins, but again, I've done no homework on the quarterback class, so I could be completely wrong. I mean, hell, I could, I, Jake Browning, who knows, you know, at this point, I don't know. Nice, nice. And <laughs> I agree.
1: It's, it's so much. It is so much. And what listening to these quarterback wars, and then when I see these mock drafts where these trades and four of these guys have gone in the top 13, I'm just there like, wow, that's great. So there's one, two, three, four. Four more players to be available at 17 that probably shouldn't be there. No problem, well, that's, Let, let go me forward. ask you
0: this. Let me, I know you wanted to close, but let me ask you this. You know how I love to ramble and take up your airtime. <laughs> um, you ain't got nobody at home. I ain't got nobody at home. <laughs> there's been stuff going around here the last week, and I know you've seen it. Uh, I'm not sure that I buy it, and it's the time of year when this kind of stuff comes out. But Smoke there's season. stuff going around that quarterbacks could go one and two via trades. So hypothetically, let's say that happens, you know, Haskins, Murray go one, two, you would think three, four, and five then, unless there's another quarterback trade, which I can't see, but you would think three, four, and five then would be Bosa, Williams, Josh Allen in some order. Let's say hypothetically, it goes Bosa, Josh Allen, Quinnen Williams is sitting there at five. Tampa Bay has long been rumored to be willing to trade down. Now that's for a quarterback, but... Quinn and Williams is still sitting there at five. Assuming you've had at least a halfway decent free agency period, what would you give up? Uh, you know, Assuming they would be willing to do it and not just draft him them themselves. Let, what would you give up? to get? Would you give up another first to get from 17 to five to get Q? It's interesting. No,
1: but here's the thing. Because if you're drafting Quinn and Williams at five – and everybody will do this. They say, oh, well, you're giving up the first-round pick next year. Guys, the pick we're talking about.
0: 27. Well, I'm
1: saying 30, bro. I'm saying 30. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so it's, you know, and in, in when you talk to most people who do this, what do they usually give out first-round grades per year? 20, 25 on a really, really good class. Yeah. There's 25 first-round grades. So essentially you give it up a second-round pick. Yeah, I mean, it, it'd be hard not to talk me out of it. Because um, as much as Larry is a guy who seems to be, you know, learning more and more technically as he goes, and he's just—I mean, he's just a big old guy that'll just split you with athleticism. Quinn and Williams does it both ways too. Uh, I, I mean, and oh, good lord! I yeah, I mean, yeah, Imagine I mean, the if, two of them. If it was seventeen for five, the twenty-first round pick and some change. Yeah, I'm probably
0: picking up that bar tab. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think I agree with you too. And I, and again, who knows? I mean, we're way out over our skis here. But if he somehow gets to five, it certainly becomes interesting. In a and certain,
1: it's, it's, it is weird though because in in the latest flow of mocks over the last week or so, you start to see him five, and I've seen a seven and a you know, it's and it's going to be interesting. And I'll tell you right now, the New York Jets, and here's even one though: if the New York Jets draft anybody at three. They're insane. They don't have a second round pick. Right. You you have Sam. You have Jamal Adams. You ain't got jack shit else. I mean, you maybe get... Robbie Anderson's a nice player. Quincy Noon was an, a, a nice player. Your offensive line. And when we did the going into week three, I talked to uh, you know I had Connor Rogers from Stick to Football on. Uh, the, the Jets' best offensive lineman is the right tackle. He had a really disgusting injury to close the year. So their offensive line isn't their offensive line isn't good. Um, they don't know if they're going to play a three-four or a four-three, so which tells me you have no idea what you, kind of personnel you got. If you can't tell, you know whether you, you're going to play an odd or an even, or even just say commit to a base yet. That tells right. me you have no idea what you in house. So then, why are you drafting somebody at three? They should not be drafting at somebody at three. They should be running the hell out of there. So even if it's not one or two at quarterbacks, it could be a quarterback at three, which still has this trickle down effect on some of right. these guys. It's crazy. It's and this is this is what makes it so much fun. Because yeah. as much as you know, the talent evaluation and all that, it, it there's the game and there's the dance of it.
0: Yeah, that's what I find so fascinating, trying to because you know, especially at 17, it's so weird this year that people say, "Oh, well, who's your best option at 17?" I have no idea because there are 10 teams in front of us that you could make a case for six different guys. So well, we and the other thing is, well, give no me, idea who's going to be there.
1: Give me five minutes because who, you know, who's who do I want at seventeen? I'll give you seventeen names. Exactly. <laughs> who's exactly. left of these guys? I, I will take that guy, and and everything that goes along with the draft. And we actually, when we were joking about the, the Jalen Strong signing the other day, Jalen Strong was in the green room. He got drafted seventieth. Right. So. It just goes to show you, and those things were announced ten days before the draft. Ten days before the draft, they invited a guy to come sit in the green room, right. who stood around, who sat around for seventy picks. Yeah. So a lot of this time. is a mystery. It's cloak and dagger type stuff, and that's what makes it the greatest. for me, it's it, it, because there's only one day of it. But and like, and you understand it, and so many of others like us do think the NFL draft is Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and out. It's it's not it's and it is like a season a sports season because there are all these games of the combine and the smoke and everything that goes along with it and pro days and and terrible stories like Jeffrey Simmons who doing everything to re you know generate his name and try to change the entire perception of him and you get an ACL injury and, and it's just absolutely heartbreaking for for a kid who's done everything he can to try to improve himself. There's just so many storylines that go along with the. I would say it's probably, you know, I'd say by bowl season, you're pretty much in draft mode. Well, the rest of you are. (laughs) We'll be in the 2020 (laughs) draft mode by like May 3rd. But that's what makes this process so goddamn
0: fun. It's endlessly fascinating because there's... There's 20 billion different combinations, and you can make a case for 10 billion of them being reasonable. It's it's fantastic, and especially for us as Browns fans. I mean, John Dorsey had the number one pick in the in the draft last year and kept it a secret from seven billion people on Earth until 48 hours before the draft. So when pretend- the draft
1: was held in the state. Of the guy you were playing where he grew up. Wasn't even there. Eh, just stay home, dude. It's cool. Don't worry about it.
0: Exactly. So pretending like we know, like there are people out there, you know, tweeting and they're all condescending and they're definitely going to do this. You're kidding yourself. You have no idea what they're going to do. None of us does. Except, well, John might not even know it on February 23rd. Who knows?
1: And yes, because, and we were all the same people of, what the hell did you sign Greg Robinson and Bouchard Perriman for? Yes. I understand things are pretty crappy around here, but Jesus Lord, what did you just do? Hey! Look at these guys out there doing some things. Wow,
0: that's odd. Yeah, now we can't let them get away.
1: <laughs> no, 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 you got to keep them. you got to keep them. <laughs> and also, but that is one of the better parts of it is because here are two guys, and you know, when we talked about it with a couple of guys on the team, here are two guys, and you know, nobody wants to be the first-round massive busts. But here are two guys that are considered that, and where did they write their NFL careers? With the Cleveland Browns. Because that's normally how this story works out. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know, another one of those stories, huh? Yeah. I mean, it's it's just so, it, it it's year-round, really. I mean, the draft is almost, and I know this sounds stupid to say, the draft is almost a separate entity from the league itself. It has almost become its own industry, which its is own amazing. storyline, yep. It's amazing. And it's just so much fun. And I guess part of that part of the unknown and the different machinations and and ways things can fit together is probably why I love day three so much, because it's I mean, we're the day one guys or supposed day one guys, they're going to get talked to death for the next two months. You're going to get sick of hearing their names. But the day three guys, if you dig, there are some really, really good football players in the fifth and sixth round. And there's going to be more of them, like I said earlier. So it's why you know. It's why we do these things that we do and have these you know hour and twenty minute conversations. However, long how much of your time I've taken up here tonight. Um, yep.
1: Well, even still though, but going back to those day three names, that's where you get a guy like Desmond King, who was a fantastic All American at yep. Iowa forever. Now um, oh, his arm's a little short. I don't know. Is he a safety? Is he a corner? Uh, eh, I'll pass. I'll pass. I'll pass. I'll pass. San right. Diego jumps up on day three, and Browns fans, you remember how. Uh, Desmond King, ruined a Sunday last fall. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes take all of it... And that's all, the other thing is, sometimes take all of this and throw it at the goddamn window. Yep. If the guy can play football, he can play football. So it doesn't matter if his arms are a little short, his hands are a little short. He didn't run the 40 you wanted him to. You wish he could bench press a little bit more. Um, if he got it done, he got it done. So it's, it's
0: And situation fantastic. is a much bigger piece sure. of this puzzle than most people give it credit for. I mean, he, he, so-and-so went to Carolina, and he flamed out and was out of the league in two years. Yeah, that's because he had two guys in front of him at his position. He never got the reps. He never got the coaching. He never had the chance to develop. Whereas if had he been picked one pick earlier and gone to, you know, I don't know, Kansas City or Green Bay, now he's got a path, and he's going to get the reps, and they're going to invest the time in him. It makes such a huge difference. Landing spot and situation is massive, especially for those day three guys. No doubt
1: about it. All right, guys, we're going to put a ball on this one. Um, obviously, guys, Stephen Thomas. Um, we'll have on more. Uh, Steve's uh, Stephen's uh, schedule is a little bit more flexible here now through April. So, you know, we'll have a little more fun. We're still working uh. to pinpoint it out. Are, Are you sure? T-
0: I, I basically did two full appearances here just today.
1: <laughs> well, I, I wish I would have done the stop, but we would have just picked it up again. We would have pounded it two episodes. Here. <laughs> I'm getting like my father now. I'm like, What can I get
0: for the extra ten
1: dollars? Well, if I got to pay it. Um, but we'll definitely we're still trying to sync up with Jake Burns to do one of those, and uh, hopefully we can keep those you know a little bit shorter this year. But we had a lot of fun with those last year, and obviously a lot of fun of it is just talking the ball and busting, talking the ball and busting each other's chops. But uh, follow Stephen over at uh, Brown's Mock Draft. Uh, he's still doing it. I don't know if today's came out. Some days I sit there. And I'm like, Ugh, I don't know about this one. I think it was either yesterday's or the day before's where I was just like, wow. Well, this. I mean, it was literally the dream scenario. It was almost like, can we just fast forward to late April and play <laughs> this one? But you know, that's a part of fun of it. And guys, uh, obviously, you know, fan speak over there it makes a great tool for that. Obviously, the guys over at Draft Network have one coming. I only know of it. I believe it's coming Monday. I can't really give you any more information about that um, plus it's the weekend I'm not going to go busting down guys DMs for information on something that's going to be in 36 hours so uh, be sure to check those all out um, the show itself Lockdown Browns we always keep a follow back uh, account on Twitter I appreciate it. Um, me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd um, it's been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pounds guys actually it's been a double dose of your daily delivery of all things Dog Pounds <laughs> um, until we talk the next time guys LGB on the L let's go Browns